Welcome back, everybody, to the Wall Street Coach Podcast. My name is Kim Ann Kurt, and I'm very, very excited today to have Kyle Williams on my podcast. Welcome, Kyle. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Glad to be on. <laughs> Kyle and I got to meet in person for the first time back in November at mm. the Traders for Cause Conference, and yet we've been circling each other's uh, kind of like... Uh, direction for I don't know three four years in steady trade. That's when I first You're heard. Right, of yeah, it's been. A, I mean, it feels that feels like less than you know a year or two ago. But I guess yeah, I guess was it four really? Wow, yeah, I no think time so. flies by. I think so. Wow. So we never met. So I'm glad today we're having this chance to meet uh, again and talk about your trading journey because it's really quite fascinating and I feel it's different uh, and most people. So uh, I, of course, will read your formal bio here a little bit um, that, that Kyle really found uh, trading while he was a sophomore in college and quickly realized that's what he wanted to do for the rest of his life. Uh, like most traders, he had a rocky start, but eventually found profitability and now has been trading for over seven years. Uh, what do you think for you has been the most surprising about these seven years? Wow, that's a good question. Um, most surprising, I, I would, I mean, I don't know if it's surprising, but I, if you had, if you could bundle up or package in, you know, call it a 10 second feeling or emotion, if you could just slap me in the face with the, in 10 seconds of everything, the, the highs, the lows, the, the work, um, the effort, the determination, and you just like threw it on my plate right when I found out that trading was a thing. I probably wouldn't have done it, you know, uh -huh. um, wow. just cause it's, it's so overwhelming as it is, as it in the beginning. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm glad it didn't obviously. And that's, and it really, you can't, it's very hypothetical. It doesn't happen for anybody. Right. But, right. uh, as my journey goes on, it just, I wouldn't rather be doing anything else. So I'm, I'm wow. always willing to continue pushing through whatever setbacks or struggles or just, just hard effort and work that is, that, that is required. Um, but I think that's over the seven years is that there, it's really never over. Um, and that's why you really have to love the game because even if you're in five, 10, 15, 20 years in, it doesn't mean you can just kind of go on autopilot and, and, you know, make your money every day. Like it's, it's always a showing up um, as prepared as you were, you know, year one, day one. Um, so yeah, that, I think that's what, and that, that's not really surprising to me. Like I, yeah. I wouldn't think that wouldn't be the case, but that's, I'm always reminded of that as the journey goes on, that it, it's, it's, it's always a lot. And, but that's why you have to love it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel that you, it, you know, in your body, you, you sort of fell in love instantly. It sounds like it, you said, you know, I, I knew this is what I was meant to do. It, do you think everybody notices that? as quickly as you, or do you think that was perhaps the indicator that you would love it seven years on? I, I would say it's doesn't have to be true. And the only reason why I say that, because the only reason why I knew it worked, it was for me, it was that everything I had been looking for in, in what I thought should be a career path. Mm -hmm. Like once I found trading, I was like, Oh, this is it. It's taking off all the boxes. You know, I was kind of soul searching for what I wanted to do. And once I found it, I just, I just knew, cause I, I had been searching for essentially a year. I was trying to find out through my freshman year of college, like what on earth am I going to switch my major to and do with my life? And so 
by the time I got to that point, I was like, oh, this is God. I already, I'd taken, you know, three or four personality tests. I'd watch every TED talk there was on finding a career, right? Even read like a book or two. So I kind of already had really nailed down when I found it. Yeah. Uh, but there's other things in life that I just would just, I just stumbled upon, maybe not a passion, but a very strong interest in, um, like working out. You know, when I was in high school, I, I played basketball a lot. Basketball was always a very strong interest for me or a strong passion, but never, working out was never really. I kind of just did it because it was part of if I wanted to run faster or jump higher or be stronger for basketball, it was all for that. But then once high school ended and I, you know, my quote unquote basketball career was over, it just was high school. Once I got into college, I still found myself working out. And then I found myself actually caring about what I eat and then caring about actually counting my macros and then caring about actually gaining some muscle or increasing my lifts. And, you know, and I'm not so, you know, fewer focused on that anymore. That was really like the first two or three years of college where I really that was a really main focus of mine. But to this day, like that, that growth of passion for that kind of fitness or health aspect, I still do it more on autopilot because there's that's, that's easy, more easily done on autopilot per se. Um, but that was not something I just immediately knew I was going to love and still do um, or work out as routinely as or as consistently as I do now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it can, it, it can definitely be grown um, into something bigger than immediately knowing um, that, that that's it for you, you know? The, the emotions in that hypothetical, you know, kind of metaphor you gave us, what, what would be the most challenging or uh, horrifying emotions that would come in that kind of one fell swoop that you think back or even now still live with that you're like, yeah, these I could do without. Yeah. Um, there's two kinds. And I usually feel this when it's either a multitude of losses, mm -hmm. right? I'm, I'm like, like paper cut after paper cut after paper cut or in the form of one big, huge loss, one big smack in the face, right? Um, and I say that because when I think of the, the paper cuts and this may be different, this is gonna be different for everyone because everyone's personality is, is different when they show up at the market. But for me, I'm a kind of trader that definitely will get down on myself too quickly if I lose too many times in a row. Right. I am, you know, some traders really favor risk rewards. Some traders really favor win rate. I have to, I'm honest with myself and know that like, if I'm not winning more than 50% of the time, I start to feel it. You know, I start to notice it. I'm like, mm, you know, I, I really don't like, you know, leaving my trading up to a coin flip. Now, granted, it's much more than a coin flip. Right. But when I get to that percentage round, I'm like, ah, this doesn't feel good because it's just more susceptible. You take four, five, six, seven, eight losses in a row. And I don't know, for me, once I hit that five to six range, I really start to feel, even if the losses are small, maybe I lose, you know, a, a fraction of a percent of how much I'm willing to risk. But if it's like a, just a constant little reminder, like, nope, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. It definitely starts to uh, weigh on me a bit. Mm -hmm. And, um, and there's been times where it's like, it's like that in a row, but it's also all full size losses. So I've taken, you know, six full size losses in a row and the, the, the gravity of that kind of pullback or that weight then further affects me trying to move forward and trying to pull out a winning trade kind of thing. So I think that's a, that's a big um, weight that definitely gets on me. The other weight, and I think this is obviously way worse than I think most traders can relate to is when you take a huge, huge loss. Um, you know, I'll never forget ILAG for those who are probably familiar with it. Um, you know, spiked from pretty much four, four, four and a half to five, and then immediately up to 12 within two or three halts, three or four halts, uh, volatility halts. Um, and I, I was in that and it was one of those scenarios where 
I was like, if I, if, if this goes any higher, like, right. And it was right around 10 to 12, like right where I actually ended up topping out. Uh, I was like, if this goes higher, like this, this is, will be my biggest, um, you know, and most detrimental account blow up I've ever had. And I had never really actually had an account blow up. Like wow. people, when the, one of the best things I did as a trader in the beginning was that I had a really good risk management where I would never really lose over a certain amount. And in this case, when my first account was never over, um, I only traded hundred shares. And it was like, whether it was a $1 stock, $5 stock, you know, it was hundred shares. So that really with, with setting a trade plan, I really couldn't lose more than 50 to hundred bucks if I was really, you know, having a wide risk. And that literally kept my account alive. I never actually saw my first account go to zero. And it wasn't until I actually had more money to trade with that I let that kind of safety net let go. I didn't have a max stop in mind. Um, it was just, you know, I can survive any squeeze kind of mentality. And then I got hit with that and I was like, oh crap, like, no, you can't. Um, and so that's one of those things where it's like, I kind of dodged a bullet that day, but I've taken other losses very similar where it's like, when you take that loss, it's like, it just, you get a feeling beyond the money and the more the sense of a confidence boost of like, can I continue doing this? And of course, you know, you let the motions come down, you reset, you realize what you did wrong. You analyze the trade and you're like, you know what? I'm okay. Like logically I look at my account, like, okay, I only lost X percent of my accounts today. You know, we're okay. Right. Um, but in the moment, it it's like whoa, you know, um, you know. I could ramble on this all up, but it it makes me think of my very first big loss was where I lost. Uh, I was about two and a half, three years in. I had now grown grown my you know six k first account into now around forty thousand, um, and I took about a ten percent loss on that account within the first hour. Hmm. I lost like three k on one loss, mm -hmm. and then I immediately started revenge trading, lost another grand. So I was down four k within the first hour on this forty thousand dollar account. And I remember just feeling that same like huge punch in the stomach. Can I still do this? This sucks. That I've never felt anything like this before. Um, and what got me out of that was I reminded myself I get to lose four thousand dollars, right? Like I I I lost four thousand dollars over ten months when I first started trading. Like I took that, I took that 6k account and took, brought it down to 2k. Like I lost four grand over the 10 month period. And now two and a half years later, I'm now being able to lose that in an hour and have it only be 10% of the money I have to trade with. Right. Um, and so kind of pulling that bigger picture out is a constant reminder of myself that like, you know, obviously since then all those losses I've taken, my risk manager has, my risk management has got much more in check, much more tighter. Um, but whenever I even do still take a big loss with that, even within my risk management, um, it's always a reminder for me to, to step out of the, the pit of, you know, the depths of your emotions and, uh, and take a step back, reflect and really see where you're at logically. Um, and that's always gotten me to get out of whatever, you know, you know, gut feeling that you're in with, with all your emotions. So yeah. it's a, it's a great way that you described it, that in the moment there is this sort of like, you know, physical sensation of a gut punch. And then there's a part of you that steps into another mindset of, I get to uh, do this. And I'm just curious where that mindset shift comes from. Do you feel that you already applied this having been a basketball player from sports? Where, where do you feel that mindset of feeling the feeling, but then moving your perspective around comes from? I want to say it's definitely a bit of practice, but also a bit of maybe um, upbringing. Mm -hmm. uh, for practice, I think it's because I, I I had heard that and learned that before. Probably like the actual you get to do things. 
mm-hmm. you know, as I was kind of called coming of age of an adult throughout college and mm-hmm. trying to find out what I wanted to do, I came across a lot of, you know, naturally a lot of self-help things, yeah. right? Practicing gratitude, practicing mindset, all these things that kind of just make your life better without ever really needing a direction, but just feeling grateful just to, because you're alive, right? Simple yeah. as that. Um, and so I definitely practicing that definitely got me in the attitude of like, I get to do things, yeah, you know, um, versus having to do things. And then I think the, the logical, the actual having, being able to have that shift quickly though, from being maybe in the pits of your emotions to then immediately getting out of it, no matter how much maybe time goes by, I want to maybe give a lot of credit just to to my parents and my upbringing. Mm. My, My parents are very two logical people. They're very, you know, frontal lobe light people yeah. type a type people yeah. um and when you put them two together you know I, i'm i'm i've ta- i definitely took both those traits of theirs and almost maybe doubled it for myself because i i've always been known in the family to be the most logical the most mm-hmm. type a kind of thing yeah um and so that yeah it's more more you know nature or nurture than just growing up that way and, and being that so yeah yeah did you uh have any trouble with enrolling them in this decision even though you were in your sophomore year of college how did they with, feel? Uh, with my you parents going into trading going yeah going into trading so so my mom has always been supportive you know i could have told her i want to be a garbage man and she had been like you know yeah you can do it you know yeah. um my dad, however, is, was the more stern, you know, let's see, let's see how it goes. He never, he never took trading away from me, but there was always this, um, it's not resentment, not, it, it was just this, this attitude or this, um, disposition, right. Mm-hmm. That he had towards it. And of course, like when I tell him I'm learning to trade, not just trade, but trade low price penny stocks, let's, let's face it what they are. Right. <laughs> totally. Um, you know, he wasn't against the idea that I could make money, but he definitely did not see it becoming something to what it ended up being, right? A career and, and, a, and a salary, let's call it, it's bigger than anything he's ever made in his life, right? Um, or the average American. Yeah. So the first couple of years, it was like, you know, he saw it as a hobby for me. Okay. You know, he would tell his friends, oh, he's got this hobby of, of hobby. stock trading. Yep. Um, even oh. though I was doing it for, you know, almost 10 hours a day. Um, <laughs> exactly. You know, pretty long hobby, but um, <laughs> eventually the reality set in for them when this was 2019 now, and I had made roughly like ninety, ninety two thousand dollars in 2019. And I'm about, I'm going into my senior year, like 2020 wow. spring, 2020 is my last semester. Wow. Um, and so I pretty much told them like, as I closed out 2019 and realized like, I just made, you know, more than any entry level job is going to pay me. Uh, I was like, guys, I, I'm, I'm going to keep doing this, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not, I'm likely not going to use my degree. Um, and at that point they were on board at that point, you know, my, my dad knew he had nothing. He, there's nothing he could say to stop me at that point. Yeah. Cause it, because he, again, he's logical. He's like, well, am I really going to have my son stop, stop my son from making something like that right out of college? Right. Yep. Or at least if I could re- replicate it and do it again next year. Um, however they did say, and this is, fu- this is the, the funniest I've ever seen my dad. My dad said, okay, well, great. You know, you're not going to use your degree, but you're going to now pay us for the last, um, not, not, they were, they were, you were easy on me. They didn't see my full college, but they said, well, we're going to pay, you're going to pay for the last, you know, call it two years that you've just focused on trading and not, you know, college. And I said, and I, I tried to totally call, call his bluff. And I said, well, okay, I'll drop out. And, uh, and his eyes, I've never seen my dad's eyes just get so, he was like, whoa, like my, my son did not just say that to me. My mom was quicker than that. She goes, okay, well then you're going to owe us for all the, for all four years, oh, you know, shit. all five years that it's, and I was like, Oh, okay. No, I'll, I'll, I'll pay. So 
yeah, the last few semesters I, I ended up paying for. Um, and I, I graduated my, 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 you know, my final was, was during COVID. Like my final was online, uh, May, 2020. Wow. And, uh, I graduated with a, a bachelor in finance. So. Wow. So it, you know, I'm really happy that you spoke to that and you said some of that description, because I think I want to just poke around there. You said, you know, not using your degree. I'm kind of curious though, don't you feel you do in a way use your degree, all that you did learn? Tell us like just about what your degree in finance does. How does it serve you? If it does at all as yeah. a trader. Yeah, my my opinion on this has definitely changed over time. I think I think at the beginning well not it's I got two answers. Let's put it this way. So my my first answer and only answer I had for the, say the first few years out of college or even during college, right. Yeah. Um, was, yeah, you know, cause I, I, I was originally an engineering major. Um, I was always good at math. And so maybe that helps a little bit, but mm -hmm. trading is a lot of emotion more so than maybe numbers. Um, and so I knew I didn't want to engineer. So I switched to finance thinking because it's finance related, it's into trading. It's yeah. at least it's somewhat of an easier degree. I actually had to take less units for to graduate than wow. engineering. Wow. But what it really ended up being was, corporate finance, like me being a, a CFO of a company, yeah. right? Or some a kind of accountant, not necessarily accounting, but just it was more yeah. balance sheets, income statements. And yeah, that I can say there's a little bit of that that helped me then understand how to read companies' financials. Mm -hmm. But even then, that doesn't really take a huge part in my own personal trading. Yeah. Um, and so my, my first instant, my stance on it was like, no, it didn't really help me at all. Mm -hmm. um, after being out of college and more of an adult in call the real world, let's call it like the business world or just working with people and individuals, I definitely think college helped me in a sense that not necessarily in finance, but just doing things you may not want to do, mm -hmm. right? Like you don't want to do the homework. You don't want to do that group project. You don't want to do that essay, yeah. but you're an adult. So you do it anyway. Like you've, this is what you've committed to. You've, you've yeah. committed to going to school and getting education. Like this is what's part of it. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I definitely think that has helped for sure. And just being a responsible adult and, yeah. and, you know, as a, in a 27 year old's world. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, not, not directly finance, but just yep. being a human being, let's call yep. it that way, you know? Yep. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Right. Um, what do you feel is one of the most overlooked components to being, to finding consistency as a beginner, I'll ask for about sophisticated traders too, because I think it can sometimes go by the wayside for them as well. But for the beginners, what do you think they overlook and don't put enough importance upon to secure and on the road to having consistent results? I think it's it's finding like, like if, you know, you, there's always that funny saying, like you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes, mm. right? And so if you're looking for consistency, you need to be doing something that is consistent. And what I mean by that is repetitive, repeatable, day mm. in, day out, where, and, and I've heard a lot of traders say this, where it's like profitable trading is, can almost be borderline boring, where you are now doing the same redundant thing over again, rinse, repeat, day in, day out. Uh, there's a lot of, I think a lot of people maybe get sucked into trading because it's exciting. It's a little bit of an uncertainty. Um, there's action. It's fun. Mm -hmm. And yes, there's that aspect, but that those aspects typically attract, you know, the gambler, mm -hmm. right? And yes, trading is gambling. You're taking an estimated guess or bet, 
but I'm not, I'm not in trading to watch green and red flashing lights and feel like I'm in awe or, or fear or upset. Like I'm not here to play the roller coaster game of emotions. I'm here to pick a spot where I think odds are in my favor. And that happens over and over and over again. It's almost like I'm looking at the same, I don't know if you're a sports fan, like the same football play over again or the yeah. same basketball strategy over again or play. Like I'm just doing it over and over and over again. And if I don't have it in front of me, then I likely don't take a trade that day. Yeah. You know, yeah, you know, I'm not perfect. I, I get the gambler's itch too. Sometimes, sometimes I want to, you know, sure. test the trade out, see if it works. But that's not what gets me to profitability and consistency. Um, and so I think as a beginner, trying to really put a lot of effort into finding what that is for you, whether again, it's a setup, it's a certain type of strategy, a certain type of process, doing that every single day. Um, you know, those consistent practices are going to, you know, add up to consistent results. So it may I ask you how long it took you at the start to find that for yourself, that strategy? So I found the strategy uh, probably about 10 months in, okay. but I didn't get good at that strategy until a year to 14 months, right? Um, around maybe, yeah, nine to 10 months in, I actually found it, which was me, for me, panic dip buying OTCs. I loved the, the smoothness of how OTCs traded. And especially when they panicked, you know, 20, 30% in the morning, there would always, you know, not always, but there was like a 60 something percent chance that if I time them correctly and, and buy them when they're starting, the panic stops, you know, they're going to bounce, you know, five, 10, 15%. Um, and so once I realized that was something repeatable, something consistent, now it was up to me to then trade it consistently, right? Mm -hmm. I knew it happened. Now I just need to place myself correctly how it happens. And then I can be there to reap the rewards. Uh, and so it wasn't until, you know, this was February, March, 2017. It wasn't until, you know, June, July that I really didn't just break even on them, but really started to make consistently green, bigger gains than losses. Yeah. Um, so, and then, then from there, I then learned my next setup and then by, you know, 18 to 20 months in, I had recouped all my losses and now became, you know, break even over the, the P and L kind of curve, if you want to call it. So were you in a conversation regularly with other traders, or are you figuring this out uh, based on your own uh, screen time? So that's the that's the one thing that I definitely think it could have helped me, but I I just was I'm not an introvert per se, but I, I just was introverted in this period where yeah I I you know I was studying a lot of or a lot of you know videos I I joined the Tikes Challenge is kind of how I got started so watching a bunch of webinars video lessons YouTube's podcasts I learned, I've read like thirty plus trading books so I was really consuming in the content that was in front of me yep but in terms of then reaching out and talking to maybe other like minded individuals um, I definitely I wouldn't say I failed like it didn't fail me but I definitely didn't take advantage mm -hmm. of that um, I didn't really start talking rarely to anybody uh, until I was up, you know, 25, 30 grand in profits. Like I already had found my process and profitability. Yes. And then I started talking to people, uh, mainly because they reached out to me. They kind of started, started to see huh. my, um, you know, progress. I, yes. I hadn't even thought about it, you know? Yep. Yep. Totally. Uh, all right. So for traders who are sophisticated and let's say the market changes, what, what do they need to keep an eye out about maybe finding consistency in a new strategy and or just consistency as they evolve over time? What would your advice to them be? I think I think 
the process they have, because there's, there's always a strategy they have, but there's obviously a process behind that, that I think works in, in all, I don't want to say markets, but just in life, right? There's, there's a, there's an efficient way to get things done and whether it's in you know sports or, or business mm-hmm. or trading. Right. Um, and so I think whatever process they have, use that process to then go out and find the next consistent thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I realized I've kind of done that without even knowing it. Whereas, you know, I'm, I'm almost come up seven, over seven and a half years in. Um, and I, if I reflect on, you know, call it year three, year four into year seven, I probably added, you know, three to four new ways of making new setups, let's call them. Yeah. And I didn't even really realize it, not because I wasn't actually tracking it and studying them and, and getting better at them, but it just became a natural mm. process. Like it was, yeah. and I always make, it's it's a funny analogy I use. I always say it's like learning a language, even though I only know one language, but it's like, I've always heard, you know, yeah. Yes. The first language is going to be difficult, but then your, your brain, your, your, your cold neurons, like really get in a line with having the third mm-hmm. language be easier and the fourth. And I think that's the same way with setups where, you know, now it's like, I could, you could give me a setup. You could, you could tell me these are the criteria you need that to trade it, to be profitable. It works this amount of time. And maybe I'm not too so good at it, but I could probably be somewhat profitable at it yeah. quicker than any of the setups combined. Cause I've already got the process down of how it should go. Um, and so I think, taking that process and applying it to maybe it's a whole new market, right? Maybe it's options or Forex, you know, obviously there's going to still be a learning curve, but I think if you have that process down, you can take that um, a lot of ways um, beyond just what you already do, you know? So. Yep. For sure. I think the the language is such a great example because it just, it does, it stretches you. And once you get one down, you can move into lots of right, different right. languages. And I, I only say that because I still haven't got my first one down. <laughs> English is all I got, you know, so I'm lacking in that uh, department. That's a, you got, you got English down, which is saying more than a lot of people yeah. out there. So uh, <laughs> some people still, even though it's the only language they speak, don't do it so well, Kyle. Yeah, right. I think you're okay. I think you're okay. Um, I'm just kind of curious when you did cross over the seven figure mark, uh, do you, do you remember that specific moment? I don't remember the specific trade. The one thing I do remember most about it was that it was about a week before my 25th birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I was like trying to do it before I was 25. I just remember like yeah. thinking like, wow, how cool, like, right. You know, we're, yeah. we, next week I'm turning 25 and I just, I just, you know, made my first seven figures. I definitely remember feeling really accomplished and proud about it, but I also had a sense of, of feeling at that point, when I got to that point, it was like, okay, this is where I'm supposed to be. Or like, I, in my mind, I've been here before. Like, this is, I knew on the path I was going, like, this is where it's going to end up. If I, if I don't, if I stay a lot in line with where this process is going to lead me. Um, so totally there was this happiness and this, this feeling of achievement, but then there also was this, you know, this is what was supposed to happen yeah. doing what I was doing. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Did you uh, celebrate it? Treat yourself to something either literally or just an experience? Uh, initially, no, uh, I didn't do anything big and grand. It wasn't until I think almost maybe a whole year later that I, I, I bought myself a new car. Mm-hmm. Um, I got Tesla. Um, I then took my parents to Italy, which okay. didn't actually, which didn't actually happen. Well, not my parents, my, my family, my aunt, my sister, my parents, uh-huh. and then my, my girlfriend at the time or now currently still. Um, and we didn't actually do that till this summer. We were supposed uh-huh. to do it like 2021, yes. but it got pushed back multiple years. So that was a big thing. Um, uh-huh. 
my grandfather's uh, dream was to go on a private jet. So we did that. But um, those were the big things. So they didn't come. And I, and I crossed a million, um, you know, what was it? Yeah, right before my birthday. So January 2021, wow. was it? Um, so it wasn't a few months to almost years for some of these things later that I actually followed through on what I originally, you know, intended to celebrate with or for. Yeah. So. I, I loved your interview with Anthony Nito on Investors mm -hmm. Underground. It's just a great conversation. Um, and you just talk a little bit about how, you know, there's a mindset shift at trading at this level for years that begins to happen. Talk more about that and how you manage that for yourself personally, just as a human being, not get caught up in hubris, you know, for lack mm -hmm. of a better word. Yeah. For, for me, I think every day is, is, is a new day. And, and I obviously literally if it is, but, but I don't, I don't, I really do. And this goes for both sides of the, of the, of how you look at it. Like I really, you know, whenever I take a big loss, I usually am pretty good at coming the next day unaffected, hmm. but it's if I same vice versa. It's also, if I, you know, maybe I have a new best year or a new best trade, I don't come in the next day feeling like I'm on top of the world. It's kind of like same business as usual. We're showing up, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. Hmm. Um, and I think that 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 shows up also in my daily life where, you know, yeah, you know, I could stop trading and just live off the interest yeah. of my money, you know, for for a long time. Maybe not retire. I don't feel like I can retire. Yeah. That's that's you know, we got too much years left to live. Yeah. Um, but it just I, I well, one, I want to be trading, but two, it's it's just it's back to business. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if I'm up five million, 10 million, 50 million. You know, if I want to yeah. be here and doing this. I, how much I make is, or how much I have made is irrelevant. Yeah. Um, you know, so, do, so yeah. Do you feel again too, if that goes back to like a question I asked you earlier, is that attributable to uh, this? It, it feels as though you have a very stoic approach. Uh, there's just a sense of groundedness and, you know, to be honest, for someone to have that at such a young age, it's rare. So what do you attribute that to? Maybe it's still how you were raised, but is there a certain kind of teachings or things you lean into that keeps you grounded, keeps you kind of in your routine, regardless of the external factors? And it's funny because I, I always have appreciated like stoicism, but I've never really studied it or like i'll try to align myself with it. i mean i always wanted to be stoic yeah uh, and i've always appreciated stoic people but i it's not like i've studied or or looked more into it i just kind of slowly became it by maybe just trying to idolize or, or be like people who i think represent that yeah um you know i i i for example like um i went to san diego state university uh, which is where Quiet Leonard came from. He's one of my favorite basketball players for that uh -huh. reason. Yeah. And uh, and people make fun of him and joke about him because he's like a robot. You know, he'll he'll make a game winning yeah. shot and he'll just kind of just straight face it, like you know, like doesn't feel a thing. You know, when in his, uh -huh. I mean, I'm sure in his brain he's actually feeling a lot, but his uh -huh. he doesn't show it. Um, <laughs> sure. And I'm not like that. You know, I definitely have my my fair share of emotions, but I just I, I don't know. I, I want to say it's a little bit of just characteristics. I just it's how I've been. Um, Mm. it just doesn't change who I am as a person, yeah. right? You, like, yeah. you know, like there's always saying like money changes you. And if yeah. you have like money, it's, it's, you, you tell how someone changes if they totally become a new person. I yeah. I think that's why, and I remember this when a lot of my you know lifelong high school friends um, told me this, they were like, yeah, you're, you're the same dude 
Wow. Before and after. And I'm like, yeah, like that's, and maybe that's why that came from being raised. Like maybe my parents right. helped me just be who I am naturally, no matter who I have or what I have. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, I just, I've said, you know. Because you brought your friends up. I'm curious, uh, was, it sounds like, you know, they gave you that great feedback that you were staying the same, but did you find any challenge uh, around perhaps not just that inner circle of friends, but just around you with people showing up different or awkwardly or uh, jealous, all of the different human emotions that sometimes happen when people are succeeding, mm -hmm. especially traders. I, I, I don't really recall any, I mean, I, I even you know, shout out to my friends. I have a really awesome group of friends. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've, we've been friends now. Well, you know, almost all of us have been 10 plus years. It's really, really wow. cool. Wow. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe there is in the background. I haven't yeah. noticed much of it. That's great. Um, maybe because I, maybe because I give off who I already am, they don't yeah. feel awkward about it. Yep. Yep. Um, cause it's also not like I'm throwing in their face. I, it, the really, I think the only reason why they know is cause I'm public about it within the trading community. Yes. And then they have over time, know that's what I do. So they follow along with it. Mm -hmm. Um, cause it's not like I, you know, text them or call them or, or so when I see them in person, like, look how much I made this week, you know, like from the, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't, you know, throw it in their face, yeah. um, like that. So I haven't, yeah. I mean, knock on what I've, I've, I've had a good experience with, with people around me and, and, yeah, the success. It's beautiful. So. It's beautiful. The, the concept of sharing the highs and the lows, uh, were you somebody that didn't need to express it? Like, did you share with your girlfriend or any of your friends, you know, just the days that were really awful and painful, the days that were just so incredible? Uh, did you find that you didn't need to speak about it to others or did you find you just had one or two that you could share regardless? Yeah, the immediate or big ups or downs. I think by that by that point, yeah, I had had trader buddies to talk to about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I w didn't really go to anyone in my personal life. Yeah. Now, granted, you know, me and my girlfriend, we've been dating over a year and a half now. Um, almost coming up on two years. That is someone I've had to learn how to share it with because mm -hmm. you know we live together. So it's like if if I'm had a huge loss. Like it's, it's kind of hard not to, not totally. to let her have her see it. You know, she can see it in my face or see it in my, yeah. how I, my posture or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so that has been an experience like trying to not put it on her, you know, mm -hmm. cause it's, and I'm not trying to, but it's like, it's very easy to be like, if I'm just having a really crappy day, it's hard not to have that affect her. And yeah. so trying to communicate that if like I've had a bad day and why and explain how it worked or because she's not remotely you know interested mm -hmm. or, or understanding of the markets um so that's been something I share you mm -hmm. know um but other than that you know the, the trading community is is I've made a lot of really cool people a lot of cool friends that I we're able to share and experience together our ups and downs yeah um, do you together, do you so. how important do you feel that is I, I think it's so critical to to to, to survive it but you know, do you see, did you see a difference having that community at some point? Cause you didn't have it sounds like for those first two years, did you right. find it different in your coping of the highs and lows by having those you could be truly forthright with? Yeah, totally. And that, and that's kind of why I think I, I didn't take advantage of it in those like call yeah, roughly year and a half, two years. Right. Yeah. Because I just, I realized what it meant and what it is now. Yeah. Um, 
which, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, if I, it, let's, let's hypothetically say if I just stayed a little hermit and didn't talk to anybody, yeah. I don't think I would be as good of a trader nor as profitable. Wow. Um, it just, just learning other ideas, being able to reflect on your own trades, being, having someone else reflect on your own trades, yeah. you reflect on someone else's trades, like, you know, teacher and teachy can start flipping back and forth between two, you know, experienced traders. I, I think having some kind of community like that, whether it's one person or five or, or 50, I yeah. think is, is super valuable. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, arguably if you want to trade for a long time or career, it's probably necessary. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. Clover, tell us about what you, why you co-founded Clover. Tell us about your partners and where, where it came from. Why did you all decide to even put this together? Uh, that's, I mean, we're talking about community. This is right on our topic. Um, as you know, some of the guys I met and became very close with through trading were these other, you know, three guys. Um, there was, there was one, there was five of us, um, Jack Schwartz, but he actually went off and to go against PhD. So he's not as, you know, incorporated in Clover anymore. But, um, but Jack Kellogg was actually the first person to reach out to me, like actually be the person to say like, Hey man, like what's going on? We were actually, we were both up around like $30,000 in profits at the time. So we, we really connected. Like we were, we both saw progress in each other. Um, so still really close with him to this day. Um, Huddy was another trader that, that we, we bonded over because we were both kind of short biased. Yep. Uh, and now we're just good friends. I did, you yep. know, was it October? I just went to go hang out with him just cause, yep. um, yep. and then Dom, Dom's another close friend who actually, he really, um, taught me early on in like 2018, 2019 to get good at going long, like breakouts. I was never really a good, strong breakout trader, but he was. And so, he, you know, he essentially like really helped me get good at it. Wow. Um, you know, so we all met between call it 2018, 2019. And then, you know, we just stayed friends and got to the point where we actually, Huddy and Dom were doing a bootcamp, in-person bootcamp for, for traders back in, was it, I think April, 2022. And he invited, he invited, or they invited Jack and I to speak. Wow. Wow. Um, and we spoke and it was such a, so much fun. It was such a, a great success. And, and, you know, and we were like, why don't we, like, we should do more of this. And we just, it ended up being like, well, let's just have a community online about it and then have boot camps throughout the year. Uh, and that's what, that's what Clover, you know, became. So, oh, so yeah. Beautiful. And I know there's a specific journal that's for sale in on the Clover website that you put together. Just talk a little bit about that journal. Who yeah. So, so the backstory is I, I do a lot of YouTube videos. I'll, I'll do once a month, um, like trader recaps. I'll review my month. I'll go over my best and worst trades and I'll do it through this Excel journal that I made. It was it originally, it was just this PL calendar, very simple, very neat, um, but looked good and organized. And, and that was, and I started doing this around 2019. And so one of my most frequently asked questions from people or, or watching my videos was like, can I have that spreadsheet? Uh, and my first reaction was like, no, like it should be very simple for you to make your own. Like it's, I, I'm just not going to give it away to people. Um, mainly cause you can make one. I mean, but I got this question like daily from multiple people. Um, uh, and this was when I started becoming more in the, you know, on the education side of things. Like, all right, I started making YouTube videos. I started doing a little more teaching. I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to commit to being a teacher, yeah, I can't just share this thing and then be like, yeah, go, go figure it out. Um, so I eventually started selling a, a very a cheap version of just this little template, um, but that didn't stop the curiosity because that's that, you know, my, my little calendar is just like one part I have. That was just one tab of the journal and Excel sheet. Like there was all these other sheets that I have that go into my process and people still wanted to see it. And for me, it was again, the same attitude of like, make it yourself yeah. um, beyond just me giving you the, the PL sheet because for the monthly PL sheet, because there was a whole other work to like, I, I, I would make it like a 45 minute guide for the calendar. 
But for the whole entire thing, I was like, this is going to be a multi-hour and multi-month project for me to make, to make sure it works well and you can use it. So finally, and then Clover kind of gave me the, the structure to do that, right? As an you know, individual, I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to pay a video editor and, and have a website and right. do all these things. Um, but now that Clover was here, it gave me that opportunity to be like, okay, you know what? I can put something together. Um, and so mm-hmm. I, I did. I, I, it's my entire you know, journal. Um, you see wow. exactly how I journal, how I track my trades, how I put it into, you know, how I reflect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually do it in conjunction with like Kinfo. Kinfo is a great... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's paid versions, but there's free where you can upload your trades and see all yeah. these stats. Yep. I'll use some of those things to then implement in my own sheet and, and, and journal and then kind of find out and see edges, see um, how I'm trading things, you know, how I want to continue trading things, how I want to manage my risk, like all everything that encompasses like a process. Yeah. I, I pretty much have it and use it with this Excel sheet. And so, um, Wonderful. Yeah, I wanted to make it available for people. Yeah, so I'm glad that you listened. You know, they say listen to your audience, and you listened finally to your audience. Yeah, it took took long enough, but all right, yeah. better late than never. <laughs> better late than never. I think the last question I just want to ask you is, what is your relationship, just in general as a trader, to the importance of mindset, and or the psychology of you know how you navigate those highs, those lows, and even the steady, consistent dullness that has to occur too. Yeah. It's, it's super important. It's, it's, I've heard many traders say it's, it's almost what makes you profitable or not. Like anyone knows what a breakout is. Anyone can learn how to the the technicalities behind short selling. Um, But but being able to then mentally handle it and then mentally rehearse it and continue day in down, day in and out doing those things, that's really where I think the edge comes in. If you're discretionary trading, right? If you're algo oh. trading or letting a computer do it for you, then yeah. then sure, let the computer do it for you. But if you're going to discretionarily trade, you know you've got to get yourself in check because it really becomes then you versus you. Um, and so learning how to handle your emotions, learning how to handle the highs and lows, or the uncomfortability of just being in a trade or taking a loss. Uh, that's where a lot of the edge really is. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why trading is so difficult because even if you have that down, and it, it depends on where you are, like a trader could have that down really, really well, but then doesn't have an actual strategy to have the edge there. Someone might have an edge there and get know how to know how that breakouts work, but then don't actually follow it through. So you need both. Yeah. Um, but I think the psychology ends up showing up more, right? If you got that down, it's much easier to then get a setup down versus you have a setup down, you don't have the me- mentality down that could take a lot more work. Um, So, yeah. yeah. Kyle, thank you for this conversation. It was so good. Just so good. Thank you for being here.